and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osband. Here with my friend, Echav Ruta Ann Gordon. Our Daphne, Masecha Bavakama, Daph Chav Zion, page 27. Well, we're going to finish our second parak, believe it or not, of Bavakama. Uh, for me, it seems to be flying Bavakama. I still don't feel like I necessarily have a good handle on everything in Bavakama, but we are going to finish this second parak. Um, and I, I, I'm going to read the first mission of the third parak. But before we get to that, the parak ends, in, in my mind, sort of in the very outlandish Gemara way. It basically presents a series of the most far out there cases of injury and then basically exploring, is the person who caused the damage liable? And if they are liable, what are they liable for? And I'm almost going to go out there and I, I'll just say it, like the case that I'm going to read, these are almost the kinds of cases that I think people sometimes, like they really don't understand the methodology of Gemara, these are the kinds of cases that they make fun of, like, you know, why the Gemara seems sort of almost in a way like, you know, so out there. So I'll read one of these cases, but I'm a rabbi. This is the case that rabbi presents. So the case is somebody falls from a roof and literally the, the words say and inserted into a woman. What the Gemara means here is, is that they fell in a way uh, that they, um, uh, you know, that they, uh, basically had intercourse. They had a sexual relationship with that woman. Now, I, I'll just tell you as a doctor that, you know, there's sort of a thing sometimes that let's say in the emergency room, we sometimes find people who get into accidents where they, you know, sometimes things maybe are in orifices that they shouldn't be. And often people will come in and they will say things like, I sat on it. And people are always like, you didn't sit on it, but that's okay. So I feel like this Gemara reminds me of that kind of thing that we see in the emergency room sometimes. So, you know, again, how could this case possibly happen? I have no idea how this case could actually happen. But what the Gemara wants to know is, you know, what is that person liable for? What actually are they liable for? So So the point is he's only liable for four things. Now, we know that there are actually five things that a person is liable for. And so the question is going to be, why is it only four out of five? And the other thing the Gemara wants to tell us here is Ubiviyamato Lokana, that in if let's say this person, this woman, was actually his Yavama, right? It was the wife of his deceased brother who did not have children, he would not acquire her, right? Yibum would not have been completed through this act of intercourse of him accidentally falling and inserting himself into her because it was not <laughs> done with actual intention. And so then the Gemara goes on to say, So what damages is he liable for? He's liable for, right, for the actual, for Nezek, for damages, for pain, for healing costs, and for loss of employment. But not for humiliation. We can obviously understand why this would be humiliating. And why is that? Because we learn in a Mishnah later on in Babakama, on Daf Pei Bav, on 86, that you are only chayav for boshet. You're only liable for boshet when there is actual intention to inflict injury. And obviously, this is a case where the person didn't intend it. It just sort of happened accidentally. Now, it, this case is, again, you read it. It's it's disturbing. It's upsetting. It's totally out there. I Anyone who also says they don't like how it talks about women, I'm with you. I totally hear that. I think what the Gemara is doing here, though, is it's trying to really test the boundaries of different types of damage and what are you liable when those damages take place. I don't think the Gemara actually thinks 
that this is a real case. In a way, it's sort of coming up with these kind of brain teaser types of cases, right? The next case is Rava goes through is that somebody falls from a roof from an abnormal wind and, you know, hurts somebody and then compares it to a case if you fall from a roof from a normal wind. Uh, then Rava adds a case if you take a burning coal and you put it on somebody's heart and, um, and they die. Um, you know, what are you actually liable for? If it burns the clothes, what are you liable for? And I think what you see from this methodology is, is that what the Gemara often does in order to teach something practical is it, it creates sometimes the most boundary pushing outlandish case of thinking of something and then says, okay, and then it brings it back in by saying, all right, practically though, what would the halacha actually be? And then it actually teaches you something in actual cases that would happen. So it takes a different approach by saying, let's not come up with the most general, most applicable case. Instead, the Gemara says, we're going to come up with the most unusual, unique case that we can come up with and still say, how could we apply halakha to it? I think also in this case, right, we've had, now we've had two chapters of Bavakama establishing definitions of damages, talking about who's liable to pay under what circumstances right like and now like that's the it's still case law but it's basically like we have our general principles and then to have the peric end with the more as we say outlandish cases to me it it makes sense that there's going to be this you know let's see how far it would go after we've we've already done the the basic work of establishing the the definitions, and now you want to see how is that going to apply in the in the you know unusual, really really unusual case. So that kind of gives you or the judges or whoever the framework to then say, under the case that isn't exactly addressed in the Gemara, but is also maybe not as far gone as the most far gone cases. There's room to understand you know how to apply the halacha. I, I think it is a Gemara type of thing to do. All right. With that, we're going to close out the second parak. And we will start with the Mishnah of the third parak. So the Mishnah reads as follows. So somebody places a cod, uh, which is some type of, you know, jug or pitcher, could also mean a barrel, in the Rashud HaRabim. And somebody comes, stumbles over it, right? They trip over it. You leave something in the middle of the road. Someone else comes, they trip over it and break it. Pator. The, the pedestrian, the person who tripped over it, is not high, doesn't have to pay for breaking it. Vim huzakba. And if that person is actually damaged by it, right? Bal hachabit chayev beniziko. The owner of the chavit, right? Now it's, you know, the owner of the chavit, right? First, just pay attention. The Mishnah is switching the words here. First, it said kad, and then it said chavit. And the Gemara is going to, the first part of the Gemara is actually going to explain why it does that, is liable to pay for that damage. So that sort of makes sense, right? If you leave something out in a public area and somebody gets hurt by it, you have to pay that person, right? Because you shouldn't have left something uh, in a place where they could trip over it or hurt themselves on it. And not only that, if they break it, they're not liable because you never should have left it in a public place to begin with. All right. And Anne, with that, I'm going to hand it off to you to start the Gemara. Okay. So I'm actually not going to start the Gemara. I'm going to dive into the middle of the Gemara. The first bit of the Gemara talks about the definitions of, you know, what is what is being damaged here. Um, I, so I, I want to look at the act itself a little bit more. And, and again, who's 
who's liable? So this is the case in the Mishnah, right, where you have a person who comes and stumbles on the vessel, right, and breaks it. And then the position here, you know, again, in the citation from the Mishnah is that the person is exempt from paying. The Gemara is going to say, and does in fact say, am I patur? Why would that person be exempt? Right, okay, it took place in the public domain, fine. But, like, that doesn't mean that you could just, you know, leave your stuff in the public domain, let people be damaged, and you get to walk away scot-free from, you know, being responsible for, oh, I don't know, not leaving things in the public domain. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, sure, it happened in the public domain. He should examine the road and and then keep walking. Meaning, he the person the person who has tripped over this, of this obstacle, is at fault, so to speak, because he should have looked where he was going. And because he should have looked where he was going, the person who left the obstacle there, the Gemara suggests, is perhaps, you know, not liable. So the school of Rav, or the sages in the school of Rav said, in the name of Rav, So it's a, it's a, such a great line. It says, they said the whole public domain is filled with, you know, vessels, with barrels, right? Meaning everything is a stumbling block. Everything is blocked in the path all the time. Meaning the public domain is belongs to everybody. And so walking there, you're totally allowed to do that. And that might, in fact, mean that sometimes you're going to then break the chavit, whatever. You're going to break, you're going to stumble upon something, you're going to break it. So now what's going to happen? So, the whole public domain is barrels, you know, blocking your way. So, Shmuel says, well, this whole thing of the Mishnah was taught about a case where he breaks the vessel in the dark, meaning he couldn't have looked where he was going and therefore avoided the barrel, right? This is the concern, right? Rather, it was dark. He stumbled upon something he couldn't have seen. Rabbi Yochanan Zavit. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, we're not talking about the dark. We're talking about a place where the barrel is put at the corner of the road. And so then, like, you go around the corner. You couldn't have seen it. You bump into it. You knock it. You break it. And now you're going to be exempt. Okay, fine. Amar of Papa, lo daika manitin ela o kishmol o Rabbi Yochanan. The Rav Papa says that the Mishnah is really either going to be like Shmuel or like Rabbi Yochanan but not like Rav, meaning don't think that the whole public domain is filled with barrels. It's not that you're always going to be tripping and breaking things and you can't avoid it. You can avoid it, except for that you have mitigating circumstances that in this particular case made it not possible to avoid. Um, my area needs Kyle. So what does it mean? How did it happen that he stumbles upon the, on this barrel, right? Afilu shavar nami. So the Gemara says, even if he broke the barrel intentionally, he shouldn't have to pay because, according to this rationale, because the owner of the barrel shouldn't have blocked the road. Meaning, it's one thing to say he doesn't have to pay because he it was an accident, it was dark, it was coming around the corner, he couldn't have seen it, he stumbled, he broke it, it wasn't his fault, it was placed there anyway, right? What well, doesn't mean it was placed there anyway? The owner of the barrel should never have put it there to begin with. That's the problem. So now Rav Zvid says in the name of Rava, coming back to defend Rav's position, right? That there's just, it's just impossible to avoid the possi- the potential of breakage. He says the same thing is going to be true if you break that barrel intentionally. 
Now, this, I think, is, of course, a very interesting and perhaps strange kind of halacha. It's one thing to say you stumble upon something and break it unintentionally. It's an accident and you don't have to pay. Now, we've seen twice, right, This com- the conversation going in the direction of the, the person who broke it did so intentionally. And shouldn't and again the psak is that he shouldn't have to pay. What about the fact that the Mishnah says, right, that he stumbled? If he stumbled, then that's not breaking something intentional. So the Gemara says, no, he wants to teach the end, that last bit of the of the Mishnah where he says, you know, if there was damage, right? If he if there's damage to the vessel. If he was damaged, then the owner of the barrel would be liable to pay for the damage. Specifically because he stumbled. But if he had done it intentionally, if he broke it intentionally, then no, then he, the owner of the barrel would not have to pay. My time, what's the rationale? So, the rationale is as follows. The person who's walking, who then stumbles and breaks the barrel, basically is considered to like, he, he's, he's within his rights to break the barrel. Why? Meaning he, he's, you know, he's not careful in the way that he's walking. He ends up falling, potentially harming his own, his own self and thereby breaking the barrel, right? It's not that he's out there intentionally to do so, but it's, because it's the public domain, he's kind of allowed to do so. Again, we're not talking about malice. We're talking about that's the way of the world. And so then when the first part of the Mishnah says, we're talking about a case where he stumbled, then we can talk about the second part of the Mishnah as being, you know, as applying across the board because he's there, he's walking. And then let's take that same rationale of the precise wording of the Mishnah, both in the first half and in the second half, to apply to Rav's explanation, Rav's explanation saying, you have barrels everywhere you go, meaning that there's the potential for stumbling, for falling, for breaking, or being hurt. That's the public domain. And then with this, we'll close. Rav said to Rav Ashi that this is what they say in the West, in the West being in the land of Israel. According to Ullah, the people stumble in the public domain because people do not look where they're going. Right? Meaning, like, it's very clear that if you have, if your barrel is clearly visible, it's not dark, it's not in the corner, nobody's going around in a blind corner that they can't see it. But people in general are not like examining the roads as they go because the premise is, the assumption is that your road is going to be not, it does, it's not going to have any obstruction there, you know, blocking your way. So if you then stumble upon an item that is in fact in the middle of the road because you weren't looking, right, that's why you're not liable to pay to pay damages because because it's a given that people aren't going to be looking. So if you leave your stuff out there, you can't expect them to pay for it. And then the Gemara goes on to talk about an exa- uh, a case. You know, we talk about how we don't have as many actual incidents that took place. This one is an incident that took place in Naharda'a, where, where somebody walking did indeed stumble on, let's say, a jug in the public domain, in the open area, and Shmuel says that he had to pay the damage. And the and then the same kind of thing happened in Pompadita, and Rava said that the person had to pay the damage. So for all that the Mishnah and all of this Gemara is big on saying, oh, he doesn't have to pay, Tachlis, when it came to an actual case of somebody getting, you know, actually breaking the barrel or the vessel, whatever, in the middle of 
the actual streets, then that person did have to pay. Um, I think it's interesting because when you read the Mishnah, it seems obvious. Like you leave something in a public area, it you know something happens to it, you should have to you should be responsible for it. Um, and here, like they they qualify the Mishnah in a way that I'm not quite sure why they need to, but they still do. Like that obvious case of like it being in the middle of Rashusa Rabin in the middle of the day, it's kind of saying like. Just be careful. How could you trip over that accidentally? Right. Just be careful. Except for, that's why I love this statement coming out of Israel. Nobody's careful. Right? Like People expect the road to be clear. I think that's actually still true. Right? I think there's an assumption that the public domain is not, I, I don't know. I guess if you were in a market bazaar, you might expect it to be crowded and things like that. But if you're just talking about the road, I, I don't know. I think we need some caveats about what what is happening in that public domain area. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's just, I don't know. I The qualifying here is interesting to me. I didn't think the mission needed a qualifier, but the Gemara felt it did. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us with us on All Maker Podcast. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talk to Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.